0: The world that we live in is filled with chaos. We are all searching for meaning in our lives, but we often get lost along the way. We all must ultimately realize that meaning is found in responsibility for our actions, for the way we live our life, and for the people in our lives. We don't have to stay in the chaos. We can choose to bring order to our lives. Join us for a fresh perspective on the practical steps we can take to become who God intended us to be and to realize what our calling is. This is Coming Out of Chaos. Welcome back to the Coming Out of Chaos podcast. My name is Michael Bocklig, I am your host, and I am joined as always by my co-host and my good friend, the subdeacon Bryce Kirk. Neither of us are in the upper room at St. Nicholas Orthodox Church in Springdale, Arkansas for this recording. We are both recording from the comfort of our own homes this time. We recorded our last episode of this podcast at the Hilton Hotel in Memphis, Tennessee during the 2022 Domsey Parish Life Conference, and what a great experience that was. Having the spiritual advisor to the Antiochian men in our diocese on as a guest was really something special. Bryce, you and I have quoted Father Hans so many times in this podcast, but having him on to share his wisdom with us was just such a blessing for us and for our listeners as well.
1: Absolutely. I mean, just having him being present there with us, you know, being able to be around him for, I think, four days, you know, we had quite a bit of time to share with Father Hans and, you know, being around the Antiochian men as well. It was just a great atmosphere that we had there. and you know, being able to just be in his presence. I remember the first time, you know, you and I met him and just the electricity in his voice yeah. and the power, you know, and the way that he speaks, like you're there to listen. And I even felt that in the room. I, I kind of had a little bit of a spectator syndrome yeah. when we were recording with him at times, just just in awe, awe of what was going on. So. I mean, I think the the difficult thing can be to hear that. And in the moment, you're very, very motivated. And then going down the line, though, that's where the tough part is, because you want to take his words to heart, Um, just like with anything else, you know, with your parish priest, with his homilies, I'm sure, you know, with a lot of different things. You want to take those words to heart, but at times it can be difficult. And I think, thank God for this platform that, you know, we have to kind of project things for the Antiochian men, you know, we can go back and listen to those things and we can hear them. So the experience was wonderful. And thank God for that. You know, it was a wonderful time.
0: Yeah. And it's really true that the repetition is helpful for all of us. And, you know, there's so much repetition in our Orthodox worship services, and there's a good reason for that. And I think the repetition of just hearing what Father Hans has said over the last three plus years now, you know, each time you hear that, it, it just get, it becomes a little bit more ingrained right in your mind. It affects us in a way where we can start maybe coming up with a new framework about how to look at these things. And, you know, eventually over time, I think get better at applying some of these things. But it does take repetition. Sometimes you have to hear it maybe two or three or four or even more times than that for it to really start to sink in. And you know, Bryce, we were about halfway through the Parish Life Conference when we recorded that last episode, and we really had a lot of fun while we were there in Memphis. The Antiochian Men events went very smoothly, and I really liked how there was a good mix of events at the PLC. There was really something there for everyone. Our men had a brief meeting followed by a retreat session with a guest speaker on the Thursday of the Parish Life Conference. Father Stephen Freeman gave an incredible talk to the men who were present on the topic of shame, and we actually just posted a video of that talk on our Amen YouTube channel. So if any of our listeners would like to watch that talk, you can find it at youtube.com forward slash amendomsi. The full title of that talk was Hungry, Thirsty, Stranger, Naked, Sick and in Prison: The Secret Life of Shame.
1: Yeah, it was wonderful to finally have Father Stephen there after I guess 3 years of planning. Yeah. For this Parish Life conference and you know, we finally got to have him there and uh, I don't know if any of you have ever read his blog which is Glory to God for All Things on Ancient Faith. He's just a fantastic writer. And being able to hear him speak as well, uh, he has such a wonderful cadence. And this topic, this was something that was discussed a lot in my former confession, uh, the, the topic of shame. You know, what does that look like? And honestly, it was very good talk for the men, especially being able to just sit in there. I think we had over 100 men in there, right, Michael?
0: Yeah, we had, I would say, almost 100. It was probably right at that.
1: Yeah, I mean, everybody's eyes we locked on it the whole time, you know, and it, it made me hearken back to my first parish life conference, hearing father Hans speak and, you know, the attention that was paid to that and just, you know, the men were there to listen and we had such a wonderful speaker to give us a great talk. I, I won't spoil it for you. Go check it out on the YouTube channel, but um, it was wonderful. And he, he gave another talk as well uh, at a dinner later on in the week, um, on a similar topic. And again, you know, he just had the room, man, like everybody was paying attention. It's just, you know, when you're in that environment, there's a lot going on and you want to try to take it all in at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think you and I, Michael, you know, when we were talking afterwards, kind of a debrief, we had a couple debriefs about the Paris life conference. And I think it just takes time to process a lot of what was going on but you have wonderful speakers. You have wonderful opportunities to hear these guys and you know, it was just excellent. And I'm in a position too, where I can go to the young adults or I can go to the Antiochian men. Right. And un- unfortunately I missed out on father Stevens' wonderful in-person Bible study. But again, it's on the YouTube channel, go check it out. But the uh, young adults, we talked about orthodoxy in the workplace. Mm. And you know, I'm in a transition period myself um just graduated from school looking for a position you know it's the preparation of what does that look like and being able to be in a room with people from all over the diocese in all different age groups you know people who were just entering college to people who were in their early 30s being able to get their experiences being able to see you know where have they been able to show their faith at work and what can i take from that and the courage that it can take sometimes to do that and just You know, being able to be around other young people, many of whom have a similar background to me, many of whom, I mean, we all share the same faith, right? So it's, it's just a beautiful thing, man. Like, I don't think my words can give it justice, but it's, it's wonderful to be in a place with that many Orthodox people, all worshiping the same God, you know, being in the same position, seeing all of our clergy together, like it was crazy and thank God for Bishop Nicholas. Like he is, none of this would happen without him, you know?
0: Yeah, that's so true, Bryce. And, you know, it was really great to see so many young adults there at the PLC. Many of them came from our parish here at St. Nicholas Church in Springdale. We had over 30 parishioners from our church attend the PLC, and we actually ended up breaking a PLC attendance record this year. So the location of the PLC rotates each year, and the host parish always has the largest number of attendees since they don't have to travel or stay in a hotel to attend, right? But the next largest contingent was from our parish here in Springdale, and it was the largest group ever to attend a PLC in our diocese from a non-host parish. And Bryce, I know we talked about this in a prior episode, but it was really amazing to see such a big turnout from our church.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when you look at uh, the Diocese of Miami in the Southeast, Arkansas is the westernmost state. And not only that, uh, Northwest Arkansas, where our parish is located, is the furthest corner in the diocese.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Like we used to be in the diocese of the Midwest. And, you know, there's even a trivia question. I hate to spoil it for some of you who may attend the winter retreats, but it's which parish is the furthest away. Uh, And it's... It's the one in Arkansas.
0: Yeah, you can't get any further from Miami, can you, Bryce? In our diocese.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like it. It's crazy, but having that many people, and it was close to this year. You know, Memphis is only about four and a half or five hours away from Northwest Arkansas. But you know, when you and I first went to a parish life conference, Michael, it was I think total five or six of us. Yeah. And having you know almost quintupled that number.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's, it's just crazy, you know, and, and being able to visit with everybody. And I, You know, I, I'd been gone for about a month at that point. Yeah. um, But it's always felt like home, you know, a home away from home, I suppose. Just being able to see everybody from our parish. You know, I think we had a couple of newer uh, people who had been recently chrismated uh, in attendance. And so being able to see their, you know. Their first experience outside of their local parish being this wonderful parish life conference, like that was incredible, and you know being able to stay with you and your family, Michael. The late night talks, yeah, you know, sitting in the hotel lobby, um, our uh, our infamous Bible Bowl experience, <laughs> you know, like all of it was just very beneficial. And like I said, man, being able to see old faces meet some new ones and for me that that's kind of stepping out of my element. I love people, but sometimes I can get overwhelmed and I told myself this is the place that you have to be to see everybody. This is the place that you got to step out of your element and talk and I don't regret a single moment of it and you know, coming home. I loved every I loved every minute. It was just wonderful
0: yeah I did too. and And what you said is so true bryce. i was I was actually talking to a friend of mine from St. Nicholas Church who attended the PLC, and he's a young man. He's uh, actually still an inquirer to Orthodoxy. and he said that one of the things that really surprised him about the PLC in a good way was what he called the hangout aspect at the PLC, getting to meet people from other churches in our diocese and you know, spending that quality time with each other between events. And that's something that I think everyone in our diocese really needs to experience for themselves if they haven't already. Also, being in the services together and hearing some of the best singers in our diocese chanting and singing together in the choir—it just it really goes beyond description how beautiful it is, doesn't it, Bryce?
1: Absolutely, um, man. I was thinking when I think it might have been the first Divine Liturgy in the morning uh, at the conference. I remember thinking of when the uh, the Rus first went to Constantinople and went to Hagia Sophia for divine liturgy. Oh, yeah. And they said this, I'm paraphrasing, but they said that this is where heaven meets earth, right?
0: Yeah. Now, I remember that story, Bryce. I think it was something like they couldn't tell if they were in heaven or on earth.
1: Exactly. And, I mean, we were in a, a conference room. Yeah. <laughs> At a hotel in Memphis, (laughs) in Memphis, Tennessee. But honestly, when you're in there and you're standing in the congregation and you hear the choir, I mean, there's, you know, 30, 35 people from all over the Southeast all singing together. And you have our clergy standing up there and Bishop Nicholas is in attendance and just being able to have all of that come together. Honestly, that's where my mind went, yeah. was that story of the Rus encountering, you know, Orthodoxy. And honestly, like on the last day too, every single clergyman who had stayed to the last day was in the service. Yeah. And that must have been around 30 priests, right?
0: Yeah, probably between 30 and 40 priests. And, and yeah, they were all fully vested and serving in the liturgy. It's, you know, it's at these... These conferences and conventions, these these larger events, where you can you see that kind of thing. It's it's really rare to have that many members of the clergy serving together. But when it does happen, it's just such a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, like seeing you know our priest Father Paul up there, seeing Father Hans, yeah. Father Stephen DeYoung, all these other guys, and Bishop Nicholas. Like I'd never seen anything like it in my life. Right, <laughs> and it's just it shows the connection. Right. It shows that even though, you know, our parish in northwest Arkansas is far away, we're still very, very connected to churches in Mississippi or Florida or North Carolina, all over the place, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: That's it's one of the best parts of it all.
0: Yeah, Bryce, the last thing I wanted to mention about the PLC was the afternoon session for the Antiochian men on that Thursday where Father Stephen DeYoung talked about his book. God is a Man of War, the Problem of Violence in the Old Testament, and that's his more recent book. And after that, you mentioned this earlier, Father Stephen led a men's Bible study in person with the men who were there at the PLC. And Father Stephen has been doing a Bible study with the men in our diocese for two and a half years now. And I honestly think that that Bible study there at the PLC was the best one that he has done yet. I really mean that. It was really incredible. I heard from so many men who attended the Bible study that it was the highlight of their whole PLC for them, and that's clergy and laity. I can honestly say it was personally my favorite part, for sure. Our organization is currently reading Father Stephen's book, God is a Man of War, together as an organization, and it will be the theme of our Amen virtual retreat this coming fall. And we now seem to have a pretty good mix of both in-person and virtual events now in our diocese. And I'm very grateful for that. We weren't able to do in-person events for a long time in our diocese after COVID hit. And all we could really do were virtual events in Zoom. And I think it got to the point where people were really just getting Zoomed out. And now that we're back to doing these in-person events, it just feels different and much more meaningful now to me.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree you know like we'd been planning that for 3 years 3 years yeah. since the last one in person it got
0: canceled twice
1: <laughs> yeah and you know like we did the virtual events and they served their purpose absolutely and i think we got a lot of good out of those you know and 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 as an organization amen's been doing them since 2019 you know with bible studies or book clubs or different things like that right but I, I remember in 2021, when we finally got to go back to do the fall retreat, mm-hmm. and I was thoroughly excited for it. But at the same time, there was a little bit of anxiety coming into it. Mm. You know, like, oh, man, I'm in person. <laughs> like, I, I wasn't necessarily afraid of, you know, the virus, but it was like, uh, I'm not I'm not looking at somebody through a screen right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I, I'm not... I don't have this quote unquote freedom to stand up and walk away from the computer. If I get tired or, you know, whatever, like I needed to be there. And when there's the in-person events, they demand all of your attention.
0: Hmm.
1: Like you, you're there for a purpose. It's not just, Oh, you know, maybe I'll hop on the zoom and be half in and out. It's like, no, no, no. When you're there in person, it makes all the difference in the world. And not only that for, you know, being able to absorb all of the talks or absorb all of the events or whatever's going on, but being able to visit with other people, you know, being able to encounter friends that you haven't seen since before the pandemic or, you know, being able to meet new people, man. Like, I think for a lot of us, it was difficult coming out of COVID. You know, I did almost the entirety of my master's program online. And then finally, this spring, you know, I'm getting to see people in person that I'd never met. Hmm. And that was, you know, like that was insane. But I don't know. I just think that there isn't a substitute for being together in person. And I think, you know, we learned that with the divine liturgy, especially like doing that online. Some people understand you can't leave the house. But I mean, for us being there, you know, Michael, like when we finally got to go back to church in Northwest Arkansas, Like We were gone for, I think, two or three months at that point when COVID first started happening. Being able to be back in church, that was a big step in the right direction, not only for myself, but I think for a lot of our parishioners as well.
0: Yeah. You know, Bryce, as you were talking about virtual events being no substitute for in-person ones, it kind of reminded me of a current dilemma that a lot of our churches are having with live streaming of services. Our local parish here at St. Nicholas has been wrestling with this a lot recently, And, you know, when COVID first hit, our Metropolitan Joseph encouraged all of the parishes in our archdiocese to use technology to live stream services for our faithful who couldn't attend church in person. In the early going, there was a limit to how many people could attend the services. So live streaming was a way for a lot of people to attend the services while under lockdown at home. As the pandemic evolved, more of the faithful were permitted to attend the services up to a certain percentage of the church capacity. Now our churches are pretty much open to full capacity all across the country, but a lot of parishes, including our local parish, have continued to live stream services to this day. Now, the pandemic is not officially over yet, and there are still some who have not come back to church in our post-COVID world. Live streaming has really been a blessing to many of our shut-ins, some of the elderly, for example, who can't make it to church. And it has also been a tool for evangelism. There are a lot of inquirers to Orthodox Christianity who have been watching the live streams of our services to see what they are like. I personally know this because many of them have come to our local parish at St. Nicholas, and they've told me that after watching the services on the live streams for a while, they decided that they wanted to come to the church to experience it in person.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it can be a double-edged sword, certainly. You know, I, I think people can become dependent on being online, and then I think some people—that's a really good tool, right? Like, like you'd mentioned, Michael. There were several people at St. Nicholas when I was attending there that, you know, oh, I saw your stream on Facebook. Yeah, you know, or whatever it may be. I think we had uh, <laughs> a couple people watching from Canada and Australia you know, as well. Like,
0: yeah, we have somebody watching from Germany right now, actually.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's pretty far reaching, you know, and I think for a lot of people, it's a chance to see what an Orthodox service is like um, without necessarily taking that first jump and attending a service in person. That can be pretty overwhelming.
0: Yeah, you know, you're exactly right. And, and I think this is something that we really need to talk about, I think we need to talk about the fact that being a Christian is not a virtual experience. Living an authentically Christian life is not done virtually. It is done in reality. And our corporate worship is designed to be done in person. You know, we've been talking about how a lot of people have been coming into the Orthodox Church over the last couple of years. And in my conversations with a lot of the young men who have been finding our parish locally, many of them have very similar stories. The pandemic was really a major disruption to their routines. If they'd been attending a church, maybe a Protestant church, once those services went virtual and live streaming was the only option in the early days of the pandemic, it made a lot of people question why they should attend church in person at all. One of the things about the Orthodox Church that I think has mostly insulated us from this mindset is our understanding of the sacramental life.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what sets Orthodoxy apart, right? Like... I could watch a service as I did in 2020 when the pandemic first hit. You know, watching our priest at the time with one altar server and one person in the choir doing all of the services. You know, I could still hear the chanting. It was still wonderful. I still understood what was going on, but, you know, I didn't have the option to go to confession. Yeah. I didn't have the option to receive the Eucharist. You know, we didn't have the option for unction that year, I don't believe.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: And, you know, it's it's something that demands all of your person. Like, we've talked about Orthodox worship on the podcast before, I believe, when we were covering the Frederica Matthews Green article. And how all of you is part of it. Like, attending liturgy this morning, lay aside all earthly cares right when you're there all of you is there and one of the first things i learned when i was reading about orthodoxy was there is no single christian it is not just me jesus and my bible yeah it is all of us and you know i think i think that you need to be there and being able to see the mysteries we can't experience the sacraments in their fullness unless it's in person and it's in the church right that's right and and having this holy place a place that's set aside for god where we can gather with our church community for the purpose of communion with god and with each other is critical to our spiritual lives like i remember during the pandemic during lent i had my computer set up next to my prayer corner in a house i was renting (laughs) like that's (laughs) that's not that's not the temple right
0: yeah, it's not ideal. I mean, we made the best out of a really bad situation. We we all did our best, I think. But it wasn't the ideal, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And thank God, you know, it, it wasn't permanent
0: either. Yeah.
1: Right. It's been, we're two years removed from that.
0: Yeah. And I think now after more than two years of COVID, it's, it's honestly started to change the way that we approach things and not just at church either. You know, for example, last week I was planning for a big meeting at work And it was the kind of meeting that involved inviting people from different parts of the country. And I've been so used to meeting virtually that I immediately assumed that those not at my office would just attend virtually. Now, I work for a big company, and this meeting is a very important one with a very large customer. So I had to be reminded that it would be better to have people fly in for the meeting to be in front of the customer in person. And I was a bit shocked that I I hadn't even considered that as an option. I mean, these people have a travel budget for just this very purpose, attending meetings with a big customer in person. But my mind didn't even go there, Bryce. You know, I was so used to doing things virtually that I didn't even consider it as an option.
1: Yeah, I think it definitely tends to be you know first in the mind right now, going toward okay, we're going to set something up. It's going to be online.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. Right.
1: It's, you know, like when I was doing my master's program and I was setting up meetings with, you know, different professors, I was given the option of first Zoom or in-person. Sometimes Zoom was a more convenient option. Mm -hmm. I like to sleep in, right? Other times it was, I need to be there in person because, you know, it'll retain so much more. And I I think the pandemic, you know, we're still coming out of it, obviously, but it really has changed our mindset about a lot of things. I think some people tend to hesitate before they jump into going to something, Mm. whether it be, you know, traveling even state to state in the United States or traveling between countries um, or going, you know, to the store. Like everything seems to now be a risk for some folks. And I understand that, but the pandemic really has given rise to social anxiety uh, that some people feel that could be a massive barrier to engaging with others in their communities. For myself, I've really noticed that, Hmm. you know, I'll go to visit somebody and, you know, it'll, the interaction will bother me. Like I had friends in Arkansas that we finally started hanging out, you know, after a lot of the restrictions were lifted. And these were, you know, Christian folks that I knew Protestant folks that I knew who would become really good friends of mine. And each and every time I would show up, I feel this tightness in my chest Hmm. and it would make me want to run away from being with other people maybe you know maybe want to close in to myself and man that's just not that's not going to cut it like that's not living life and and sometimes you know that can be a barrier at times to to going to church not for me i've never felt that way but I can understand why some people, you know, you're kind of thrown into this big environment, especially if you're an inquirer. Mm -hmm. You come to a new place with a lot of new people, a lot of new faces, and it can be a bit overwhelming at times. But, you know, I think as we begin to put more time between us and COVID, God willing, um, that people will be able to see, you know, the beauty of being with others and, you know, take that risk. Man, like it's a small, small, small risk to go and visit with other people. I think most of the time, um, not even just a not a, that's not even just COVID related. I think you know, people have social anxiety in general, or they can be a little introverted. It could be a risk to go and meet new people, right? Yeah, it could be a risk to throw yourself into a new community. But that's the exact risk I took when I started going to St. Nicholas in 2017, and I'd say it's paid off. <laughs>
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think it has. And, and I love what you said about taking a risk. I feel like people today are so much more risk adverse. It is just simply so much easier to sit back and play it safe. Even just going to church at your local parish may be too much of a risk for some people, at least in their head, especially for those who have had their social anxiety exacerbated by the pandemic. It may be tempting to just learn about orthodoxy on the Internet. A lot of people are doing that. But if you just stay on the internet and never actually go into church, you're cutting yourself off from the fullness of the body of Christ. I've noticed that there are a lot of people out there who seem to be experts on orthodoxy, on theology, scripture, church history, and tradition. There are a lot of mavericks out there online that just love to argue and debate this theological topic or that theological topic, looking to win arguments and apologetics on social media. That is not living the faith. That kind of pseudo-spirituality doesn't do anyone any good. The body of Christ doesn't operate as a group of independent contractors who are loosely affiliated with each other over cyberspace. The body of Christ is a concrete and dynamic reality that we Christians must participate in. Our good works are a direct result of our faithfulness to Christ, and those good works are how we bring light into the world. It is synergy, we become co-laborers with Christ in our church communities in person not on the internet
1: i really like that independent contractor uh, analogy there <laughs> i just i think some people get it in their head like you know i'm going to do this i believe this i have to project this right yeah like uh, i think a lot of you know young converts especially um tend to get into that type of mindset right you've discovered something that is so beautiful and I think you want to share it with everybody that you know sometimes the means in which you do so are not the best yeah <laughs> right sometimes you get a little too overzealous I mean I myself I was I was very zealous you know I wanted to keep the fast exactly how you know the monks talked about it and I wanted to share this thing with everybody that I knew. And a little bit of it was over the top. Not that I ever alienated any of my friends, but, you know, I look back on it, I'm like, man, I was a bit too vocal on things that I, I don't think I knew enough about to be vocal about at the time. Hmm. You know, and I think that's the big thing is we focus on ourselves in the sense of we need to focus on working out our salvation, becoming more holy, right? And me being a jerk to a guy because you know he he doesn't accept the tenets of the nicene creed even though he doesn't know what that is (laughs) that doesn't that doesn't make a whole lot of sense right and being able to see things on the internet there's a lot of great orthodox stuff on the internet right Mm -hmm. like for example michael your wife her instagram page capturing orthodoxy is a beautiful example of orthodoxy on the internet with these pictures being taken you know wonderful stuff there um being able to see different groups posting things like gaining knowledge, seeing wisdom of the fathers, like all that's really good. But sometimes I'll go on to Facebook groups and I'll see somebody get in a fight over, I don't know, a meme. Yeah. And you know, there'll be 400 comments and they're all ripping each other apart. It just like, how does that help anybody? You know? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's, it's, uh, Some people need to have a fight and that's where they go.
0: Yeah. It's like sometimes people are even just out looking for that fight, like they need it for some reason. And I think that's a, that's a reason why a lot of times this gets dragged down into politics online, you know?
1: Yeah. And I I think it can be rather polarizing and, you know, not that they're, not that I think people necessarily need to compromise their beliefs because there are some beliefs, right? That the church holds up that we do not compromise. Sure. Yeah. Example, Jesus Christ is God, <laughs> right? Like, you don't go, well, I see your opinion on that.
0: Yeah, there's there's a problem if we deviate from that.
1: <laughs> right. But again, man, like, I think it can be very polarizing at times, and the hope would be that we can bring more people into the faith through our example. It was St. Seraphim of Sarov who said, acquire a spirit of peace and thousands around you will be saved. Yeah, that's something I try to think about.
0: Yeah, that's so true, Bryce. And you know, I was I was actually listening to a recent episode of the Lord of Spirits podcast, and we actually had Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Father Stephen DeYoung on for a podcast episode, and that was probably one of our best episodes, just having them on to answer some questions. But one of their recent Lord of Spirits episodes, it was a, a Q&A episode where Father Andrew and Father Stephen were just taking a bunch of questions for the entire episode. And there was this question asked towards the end of the episode on the topic of transgenderism. And Father Stephen DeYoung gave, I think, the best response I have ever heard on that topic to date. I wanted to quote part of what he said in that response. Here's partly what he said. "Quote: We have a whole generation of people, really two generations of people now, whose first sexual experiences, whose only experiences of community, have taken place on the Internet, meaning that they are disembodied. And we haven't taken into account what having all of a person's sexual experience being disembodied does to a person when they are first developing their concept of sexuality and identity. But we are seeing it play out. Because if you don't form your sense of identity in community, then your identity, if you're just talking about yourself as a black hole, you end up in nihilism, because by ourselves, we aren't human. You can't be human by yourself. The solution to this is not to degrade people and insult people, insist on calling them things they don't want to be called in public to make some kind of point. That's not the solution. The solution is we have to work to rebuild communities so that people who have grown up without any concept of what it even is to start to understand what community life is. And once you are in a community, your identity gets formed because now you have a role within that community. You have gifts and abilities you share with that community. And then in return, the community places certain responsibilities upon you. And you contributing what you can and fulfilling those responsibilities gives you a sense of self and a sense of self-worth and a sense of being appreciated. And that makes for a healthy person. Bryce, what's your reaction to that quote?
1: So there are three points that really stand out to me about this quote. And Michael, thank you for sending me this podcast clip last week. Like, it's a wonderful listen. um, If y'all haven't heard it yet. But the first point is two generations of people now who have basically been raised on the internet. Yeah. That would include myself. And me. <laughs> I, think, I think to an extent you, and then I think people who are younger than me. Right. Right. And so when you look at life as it goes on, your interactions with people on the internet are one thing, and your interactions with people in reality are another.
0: Mm.
1: like people can be fooled online. You can be fooled into talking to somebody you're not actually talking to. Yeah. The second point that I really like here is if you're just talking about yourself as a black hole, you end up in nihilism because by ourselves, we aren't human. You can't be human by yourself. Yeah. And to me, immediately when I heard this, my mind went to the first book of the Bible Genesis 1, verse 26, let us create man in our image, right? God himself is in community. Therefore, in my mind, if man is created in God's image, he cannot be alone, right? So initially, God gives Adam, Eve to be his wife, and obviously that's within the confines of marriage, but brotherhood, right? Like what amen is doing. And many, many other groups around the country are doing where men are coming together and being together in men's groups and within their parishes. And the same can be said for women's groups and within their parishes as well. Yeah. You know, being able to be in a community and you learn how to be a person, I think, from other people. There's been times in my life where I was like, I feel like a caricature of a person because I'd been on my own for a minute, you know. And then I I get back into it and I go, okay, these are men that I'm around. Like living where I'm at right now, I get to talk to my grandfather routinely. And, you know, he knows a lot about engines. I don't know a thing about engines. There's something to learn there. He knows a lot about our family history. There's a lot there. You know, his experiences I get to learn from my own father. You know, I get to learn from him. Our priests, you know, people like you, Michael, people like other people on the board that we've met. Like being able to meet those people and understand what that means, you learn how to be human and not just by yourself. And your experiences individually, I think they matter, but you can't do it by yourself, man. Nothing can be done alone necessarily without the grace of God. The third thing I think, especially is showing gifts and abilities. So, Father Stephen says, you have gifts and abilities that you share with that community, and then in return, the community places certain responsibilities upon you, right? And I think just being able to give people an opportunity to show what they're made of and give them the confidence that, hey, you know, you're not an expert in this right now, but I see something. And I think we've seen that in our own parish community, Michael, you know, with people stepping into leadership roles. I think even seeing young men serving in the altar, And some people learning how to chant or sing in the choir, you know, those seem like very small things, but those are gifts and abilities that can be shared with the community. And being able to unlock those things and grow in those things with other people around you to encourage you, to help you when you slip up, that, I mean, it does make for a healthy person, right? Yeah. That in-person element
0: yeah it really does and when i when I heard this i it we had just probably recorded the last podcast episode with you know father hans at the p l c and and we we had just done that probably a few days before I had heard this, and I don't know why, but I was thinking a lot about what father Hans had talked about because you know he's talked about for example pornography and and masturbation and and how men struggle with this and and then when I heard this from Father Stephen, it reminded me of that conversation because, you know, although this was a response to a question that, that was really relating more to transgenderism and, and in a response to a question on that topic, I started thinking about now two generations your generation, Bryce, my generation our first sexual experiences in general have been on the internet. And, and he calls it in here an, a disembodied experience and then he he even also says though you know experiences in community have happened on the internet there's a lot that happens now online that we couldn't even Think about in previous generations being possible. I mean, just think about video games, for example. We've talked about how there's these virtual worlds that are created that, you know, not just teens, but full-blown adults are getting lost in these virtual worlds, right? And they're spending more time in virtual reality than in actual reality. And so when when Father Stephen said this about two now two generations that have essentially come of age where not just our first sexual experiences, but our first experiences of community are virtual experiences. They're disembodied experiences. And there's a real problem with that. And I think what really kind of struck a chord with me as I was thinking about this is I've been there, right? I've been in this kind of virtual world where, you know, I've I've let video games dominate you know, certain seasons of my life. I spent a lot of time logged, a lot of hours in that kind of gamers world. Right. And that's becoming more and more prevalent. Like even my kids struggle with that. And I try to help them to make sure that they're not spending too much time in these virtual worlds because they suck us out of reality. Yeah. Right. It's almost like it's pursuing a fantasy, which is not healthy.
1: Yeah. And, you know, like as soon as you said video games, my mind went to a very popular video game series that's been around since the early 21st century, uh, Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. And what I mean with Grand Theft Auto is there's an opportunity to build wealth in those games. I mean, even one of the games is called Vice City.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Right. Like there's an opportunity to build upon all things that are not virtuous. And I I think if, People, and I mean, this I'm saying this to myself, especially in the sense of when I, you know, when you play video games or, you know, you get enveloped in the metaverse or whatever it may be, you know, if you put half the effort you put into acquiring all this wealth and whatever game you're playing or, you know, acquiring this build and going on this quest, you know, those things are cool, but doing that in your own life. It's a, b- a bit more fulfilling. and But that also takes risk, does it not? Yeah. I think it takes risk to step outside of that comfort. You know, sometimes I just want to play games all day. Very rarely do I do that anymore, you know. but uh, And I think, you know, when you, you brought up first sexual experiences being online, people are being exposed to pornography younger and younger these days.
0: Yeah. It used to be the average age was 12. And I read a very scary statistic where that average age is now eight years Mm -hmm. old. The first experience with pornography. I mean- Lord have mercy. I mean, that's shocking. But at the same time, with the way technology has advanced, it's maybe not as surprising as I might've originally thought when I really think about it.
1: And young people seeing this, I don't even just mean kids. I mean- young men or young women seeing this and that's their first experience and they think that is reality that is not going to go over well with anybody yeah you know being it per, it it perverts how we view our fellow humans right
0: yeah and it makes the foundational experience a perverted one and so when you build on that It just continues to go off track.
1: Yes. You begin to see people as body parts, as objects, Yep. not for who they are, not your sister in Christ, not your brother in Christ, right? You see these things and it, I mean, and there's been studies of what it does to your brain too. Mm -hmm. It racks your brain. You, I mean, you become numb (laughs) to a lot of things and I don't think that we can necessarily experience reality as much as humanly possible if we're numbed to it. Yeah. And that can be that can be any type of supernatural force, right? That can be drugs. That can be an overindulgence in media, be it social media or watching too many movies or TV shows. You know, it's popular to binge a Netflix show now, right? Right. Oh, you can't just watch one episode. You got to watch all of them.
0: Yeah, an entire TV show. You just blow right through it, right?
1: Yeah, it can make you lethargic, right? hmm And... I've, you know, we say this stuff, I think you and I say this stuff from coming from our own experiences at times. It's not just to trash it because of X or Y reason. It's because you and I, Michael, have experienced these things up front and personal, you know, especially video games. Right. And I love watching TV and sometimes I check the clock and it's one o'clock in the morning and I go, oh, man. Yeah. And then the next day is ruined.
0: Man, I can relate to that, Bryce. I it is true. We both lived through this. We've seen the damage that it can do in our own personal lives. And the truth is, all of this stuff we're talking about, it just it skews reality. Yeah, right. It takes us into a place that is not real. And, you know, in that last podcast episode we did with Father Hans as a guest, he said, let's bring reality back, right? He he actually said that should be the saying, let's bring reality back. And I think we really should do that because living as a Christian means living in reality. It means taking up your cross and stumbling up the hill towards the city of God, as Jordan Peterson has said. And when you embrace your current circumstances as your cross— when you embrace the difficulties of life as they come and treat them as the means by which you can become more like Christ you begin to live in reality rather than trying to escape from it
1: yeah and you know you 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 bring up this idea of taking up your cross and stumbling up a hill towards the city of god right one thing that i think is paramount in kind of beginning this journey because it, be, it can be very, very difficult to just say, I'm going to do this.
0: Mm.
1: I'm going to take up my cross. I'm yeah. going to walk. Right? We can get motivated for so long. Mm. And one thing that I think is a great idea, and Dr. Peterson talks about this, is you know, you get up in the morning and you make your bed. Your room is clean. right? And I've begun to do that myself in the sense of you have to force yourself to go to bed at a certain hour and wake up at a certain hour and be productive that can be extremely difficult man like sometimes your day is set up for you that's great you can go forward with it but i think a lot of time we get sucked into i'll wake up you know wake up at my alarm and i'm watching youtube yeah for an hour right like it can be so much easier to escape to your phone
0: yeah, you can even stay in bed when you wake up on your phone and not realize that an hour is passed, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, you there's so much of our lives, man, that we just spend online. You know, people do these studies or of, of statistics where you've spent x amount of your life in bed sleeping. Yeah. You've spent x amount of your life taking a shower or driving to work or whatever, but it's it's like how how much longer do we have to look around our lives and do anything and to begin to do virtuous work starting out, you know, early, it's such a struggle to do that, you know, yeah, like, but, but that's the important thing to remember is I think struggle and suffering makes you more. It helps you understand who you are, what you can take. Right. And when we're comfortable all the time, which is, I think what everybody wants, there's no growth.
0: Yeah. It, it seems like we're constantly looking to just continually find our own comfort with everything. We, we're very, I would say, just kind of naturally inclined to try to avoid suffering. But then in some cases, we go too far to try to seek our own comfort. And then we end up kind of handicapping ourselves for when we really have to deal with something real and something that is extremely uncomfortable, right? Finding meaning in that situation is much harder when we haven't trained ourselves. right? We haven't expected that to come. If we reframe everything where we know that suffering will come, we'll know better how to deal with it, and we'll be more prepared for when it does happen. And you know, Bryce, in American culture, we just have access to so many things to escape our cross right? This can be distractions or various temptations that we have and all of the stuff that we have access to because we're a relatively wealthy country, right? We have a lot of material wealth in the United States and a lot of access to different kinds of entertainment and, and all kinds of things that the demons use to convince us that we should run from our cross, to run from reality and into some kind of fantasy, right? And I, I mentioned this earlier, fantasies can be a very dangerous thing. You know, I think about my own life and about times when I've been tempted to live outside of reality because reality was just too disappointing or too difficult. And a lot of times we just we create fantasies in our own mind and they can become so dangerous that they can lead to things that can even destroy families. And for any of you men that are listening out there, I think you guys know what I'm talking about. I mean, if we're in a marriage for example, we're going to have some tough times. We're not always going to get along with our wives. So one of the fantasies that is as old as human beings themselves is thinking about, man, what if I was with somebody else, right? And you start going down that road of, oh, maybe I could have an affair. It's not so bad, right? But you don't think in those moments about the things that are going to happen because of those actions, the people that you're going to hurt. If you have children, how their lives are going to be irreparably changed, Doing that is such a selfish thing, but we justify it in our minds like I need this fantasy to feel better.
1: Yeah. And I, I think, you know, there is a pull inside of us that can go one of two directions. Right. It can go to pursue that fantasy in our minds, you know, try and find everything that we can and and eat to our heart's content within that frame. And then there's the other side that, you know, wants something more. Maybe he wants to try and go through that direction of, of the fantasy, but maybe there's something more. And I remember watching an interview with Tom Brady several years back. I think it was on 60 Minutes. I think he just won his third Super Bowl, and he said there's got to be something more than this, right? Something – I mean, guys at the top of the game. Yeah. One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He just won a third NFL championship. There's got to be something more than this. And I think a lot of us within ourselves, we look at our lives and we go, there's got to be something more than this. And a lot of us may look to vice, may look to fantasy for that. But, you know, it's us actually yearning to be a co-creator with God, I think. Taking those bad types of yearning and channeling them into something good, right? Satan wants us to go down one direction that of vice, that of lust, that of greed, that of pride, whatever it may be. But the other direction, the virtuous direction, there's so much more fulfillment in that. And I think, you know, Father Hans has talked about how men build, right? You know, civilization depends quite a bit on men. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, if, if we're tempted at times being able to move in that direction, and some of us may not know where to start. That's where you talk to your spiritual father. That's where you talk to other men, try and figure out the direction, find things you're talented at, and build that talent into something good.
0: Yeah, and Bryce, there's this great quote from St. John of Kronstadt that I wanted to share, And, and I wanted to just read this and get your reaction to it, because I think it really relates to what we've been talking about. Here's the quote. A man becomes spiritual insofar as he lives a spiritual life. He begins to see God in all things to see his power and might in every manifestation. Always and everywhere he sees himself abiding in God and dependent on God for all things. But insofar as a man lives a bodily life, so much he does, he does for bodily things. He doesn't see God in anything, even in the most wondrous manifestations of his divine power. In all things he sees body, material, everywhere and always. God is not before his eyes. Bryce, I think that's a great quote. And what really stands out to me is he begins to see God in all things. If a man becomes spiritual and if he's truly living the spiritual life, you know, that includes what you and I have called the mundane, right? We've kind of categorized things as, oh, well, this is just the mundane of my daily life. But what this is talking about is in all things. So even the mundane, right? It it talks about all things which would include suffering you know, good things and bad things. And this really speaks to what St. Paul talks about when he talks about being grateful in your suffering, concepts that are very, very Christian, but very countercultural to where we live here in the United States.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of the big thing, right, is orthodoxy in a way, especially in the United States, is a sort of counterculture, right? The, The culture tells you one thing, okay, some of it might be okay, probably not. And then the church tells you another thing. I think today a lot of people, their main battle is not necessarily external. I think it is within their own mind. I think it is within going, this is what the world tells me to think. This is what the church tells me to think. The world might be a lot easier to go to. It will ease my suffering if I do this, if I do that, if I go along with this trend. But the church... If I go along with this, that's my path to salvation. I think that's the main struggle of our time is not balancing those things, but internally fighting with them. Because I don't think there's a balance, you know? And I think that's the hard truth. I think that is the reality that we are challenged with at times.
0: Yeah, Bryce, I think that's really true. So what does it mean to live in reality? How do we bring reality back? As Father Hans said in our last podcast episode, As Christian men, I think we need to man up. We need to show up. We need to show up to church, and we need to show up in our communities. Showing up means doing our part. That doesn't mean we make an occasional appearance at a church service and then disappear as soon as it ends. A true community is not a group of individuals doing their own thing. A true community is made up of persons in communion with each other and who engage in virtuous work together. That is where we all find meaning. We find meaning in taking responsibility for ourselves and for others in community. We must fight the temptation to play it safe, to take the easy road. That may be counterintuitive, but we need to do what is difficult, and we need to be willing to take risks. We aren't going to enter the kingdom of God by coasting through our lives and looking for the path of least resistance to get there. That path leads to a very different place— And most people don't realize this until it's too late. If you are listening to this podcast, you are probably well aware of the chaos that surrounds all of us, the chaos that we need to come out of to become fully alive as men. When we as men show up and engage in our church communities, live the faith in our daily lives, and embrace the reality of our current circumstances as a means of achieving our salvation, nothing in our lives is truly mundane. All of it matters. We need to resist living in a virtual reality if we want to be strong and authentic Christian men. Guys, it's time to get our hands dirty. Let's get off the internet, roll up our sleeves, and get to work. There are very real people out there who are depending on us.
1: So when I think about reality, you know, bringing reality back, a lot of us have been in a funk, I think, as we've talked about so many times, and I think as we've heard through many, many outlets not just due to COVID, but I think due to the reality of our modern world. I think at times we can close off within ourselves, close off within social media, close off within YouTube. We can close off within music, video games, pornography, whatever it may be. I think at times we are afraid of what reality actually is. And I think taking responsibility is one of the great feats that any man can do today you know we don't have the rites of passage that our ancestors had you know for some it's climbing a mountain killing a lion doing some type of heroic feat of strength like hercules but in our own day and age getting up in the morning and being there for those who count on us and even if it doesn't seem like we have anybody even if you're a single man living alone you're responsible for yourself. You're responsible for your salvation. You're responsible for getting yourself to church. And I think that can seem like a very, very difficult task at times. We have every element of the world coming in around us. We can be afraid of talking to other people. We can be afraid of slipping up at work. We can be afraid of everything, each and everything, afraid of taking a risk, afraid of living the life that we have to the full. And that doesn't necessarily mean having a bucket list of things to go and do, but it does mean becoming more holy. It means waking up early in the morning, making your bed, committing to your prayer rule, having regular communication with your spiritual father, going to church. These are things that matter. It makes me think of a quote by St. Herman of Alaska. He said that the true Christian is a warrior fighting his way through the regiments of the unseen enemy to his heavenly homeland. A lot of these fights are in our own mind. And at the end of the day, at times, we are the only one that stands in our path to carrying our cross up that hill toward our heavenly homeland.
0: Well, that's our show for today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Coming Out of Chaos. Remember to check out our website at antiochianmen.org to learn more about our organization. We also have many videos available that can be found on that website as well as on our Amen YouTube channel.
1: Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast or any of the major podcast platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. So be sure to follow us on the platform of your choice. We would also appreciate a positive review if the platform allows for it. Please share this podcast with your friends and help us to spread the word.
0: We want to thank everyone who has been sending us feedback about our podcast episodes. If anyone would like to send us feedback, just send an email to amendomse at gmail.com. That's A-M-E-N-D-O-M-S-E at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you if you have any questions or comments for us.
1: Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.